0: Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams and Marty Foster. I am going to attempt to do the best I can tonight, but I'm kind of hoping the three of you are going to do some some of the talking, or most of it, I hope, uh, because I've got an armload of stuff that we can discuss, and it is from the UK. You guys from the UK are popping in this week. Thanks a lot for that. Appreciate that. I tell you that I'm that I'm coming down with the man flu, and you're all like flooding in here. Oh yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll take over. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. We just want to see you suffer, mate. That's all it that, is. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. As I'm Midian, sitting here in my jazz club, drinking my cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. It, an American drinking a cup of tea in front of two Englishmen. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. Well, that's what you that, say. It's in there. That jazz. Yeah, bar green tea. It's it. green tea. Is there a word? That's not good for you. Coffee's good for you. Uh, no, I can't do coffee this late. No, I, I can't do it. But anyway, okay, Marty, Ned, thank you guys for being here tonight. Bruce, also, thank you for being here tonight. How's everybody this evening? Uh, Ned, let's start with you. You're the honored guest this evening. How are you this evening? I'm the voice of reason, I think. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. what I feel like so. That's why I'm in this corner.
1: Now, there's there's lots of things going on. I mean, what did I see the other day? Oh, the rugby cup final. That was a rugby league
2: cup final. Yeah, it was it's still not, the rug.
1: No, mm, rugby don't be league. biased. Don't be biased. Uh, still at Wendley. they played yeah. the first half, yeah? Mm-hmm. And then you get your usual blokes talking about the game and like everything, you know, tearing it to pieces, good player, bad player. And guess what their backdrop was? An empty stadium. Yeah, I know. I and know. that epitomizes to me, basically, at the end of the day, you've got thousands of seats, and you're telling me you can't have a distance of 10 between each or something like that to return it to the people.
2: Yeah, I mean, they, they could have quite easily just given free tickets away to one-tenth of the capacity of the stadium, and Wembley's got about 80,000. Something like that. So they could have had 8,000 people spread around. And, and that yeah. would have just added a bit of joy. Yeah. Anyway, he actually said, how are you, Ned? Not, you know, go off on one. So how are you, Ned? I'm fine, I said oh good all right johnny you i'm not going off
1: of one i just thought i'd say an image that was stuck in my head yeah
0: no it's had- perfectly fine how how are you, you Mark? Had- i'm okay thanks very much for asking i i like your haircut by the way you got it you got a nice haircut
2: it cost me 12 quid for it just just to run clippers over my head to make me practically bald so um yeah it looked better than it did but um
0: i don't know i could be wearing a hat tomorrow when i go out bruce how are you this evening <laughs> Well, you 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 know the answer to that one. Healthy and alive. Yeah. With all of that being said, is rugby a sport? By the way.
1: Yeah, it's a better one it's than
2: a rounders.
0: It's better one than rounders. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll we'll go with that. I, I so think you, that's uh, more comparable to cricket, if, though. If right? you
1: can, if you can, if you can imagine that your American footballers took all their padding off uh-huh. and then had a go at each other. Yeah. And yeah. And lasted more than thirty seconds before they fell down, sweating and coughing. And You've got guys running for. And of course, in in grid- as fast as the um-
2: yeah in gridiron, as I believe is the real name of the American form of footing the ball, you're allowed to pass forward, um, which is easy. Anyone can throw a ball forwards. In rugby, you have to th- <laughs> throw the ball backwards. Believe it or
0: not, you run the ball yeah. forward and throw it backwards. In American football, that is a legal play. We call it a lateral. Mm-hmm. And is it a legal play or an illegal. illegal play? It's l- it's yeah, a yeah. legal play. That yeah. We call a lateral when you pitch it back behind you.
1: It, it, it's basically, it's, it's what you call set pieces. So basically you've got your offenses and defense. taking have taken people out, opening gaps up for the runner to go through, for the quarterback to set up. Well, and then he and
2: catches and there you go. Yeah. Yeah. You and I have actually been to a professional American football game at Wembley. Do you remember? It was the Buffalo Bills versus the Philadelphia Eagles. And what is actually, is it 80 minutes, the game, four quarters of 20 minutes?
1: Four
0: quarters, 15 Uh, minutes. Four quarters, 15. Yeah.
2: That's
1: why it's called a quarter. Well, why did it Um, take four hours to play then? because you're uh, changing
0: teams you're going well, position and defense well you're going like off op- offense defense yeah you're changing out lines and things like that and then of course every time there every time after a play there's a there's a whistle and the, the game stops and then yeah it's it's, it, it's a little it's a little complicated you know I, I had it described best to me by uh somebody that that was over here once uh in germany they were watching it and they said so there's a whistle and then you hit each other and then that's it. <laughs> and I said yeah, no. pretty much. That's, that's If you is.
1: don't move if you don't move 10 yards, that's it. You
0: will yeah. lose the actual You get four chances ball. or downs yeah. rather to move the to advance the that's ball it. 10 yards. And if you don't do yeah. that, then you have to kick it away and turn it over. But if anyway, do know that's a little it. bit. That's another podcast, which we're working on something along those lines. And I will clue the two of you in after we're finished this evening, because I would like to I would like to have both of you on it uh, when we actually start that. So uh, and that will be coming. We were hoping to do it this week, but due to my man flu and a couple of other issues we're working on, it's not going to happen this week. So. (sighs) probably next week. But anyway, okay. I wanted to start tonight with, we got a lot of UK stuff tonight. There, there's so much UK stuff. And I'm actually, I'm glad you guys are in here because the, all this UK news, I mean, we might as well just talk about it and uh, and get the ball rolling with it. Uh, let's start with your favorite, Marty. Let's start with the French. Okay. <laughs> oh. So yeah, I, I know. And we have French listeners, you know, merci. A French fishermen fire flares, throw frying pans and oil at British boats. Now, I, I'm assuming this has to do with, like, the deal, no deal. You guys are leaving the EU and you're working on some kind of an exit thing or whatever, and businesses there are being told to brace for a no deal and blah, blah, blah. Well, French fishermen were filmed firing flares, throwing frying pans at British boats in a revival of the so-called Scallop Wars in the English Channel uh, amid ongoing disputes between the two nations over post, or post-Brexit fishing rights. Now, you've talked about fishing rights on here before what is this all about? Now, before you get into that, I just want to talk about the the scenario here. Approximately 20 French ships surrounded two British fishing boats the girl Macy and the Golden Promise at around 1.30 a.m. on Monday off the coast of Normandy. Members of the French crews were caught on film throwing objects, oil and firing flares at the British ships. Uh, Violence on the sea has been reportedly escalating over the previous weeks with the skipper of the Golden Promise telling the Sun Papers, I was expecting it this time. They only do it in the dark. We can't use a radio when they do it as they just talk over us instantly. So I couldn't check on anyone else to see how they were doing. They were two miles apart and had only two or three boats around them. And another boat had 15 around them. And they were throwing oil at them and firing flares. What? What? What is the deal with this? What? Why are they so angry? What, what's, what's the problem?
2: Well, fishing rights is inside your territorial waters. You, you know, each country owns the fishing rights to the waters, extending out under international law, uninterrupted. It should extend out to 200 miles. I believe is is normal territory. Yeah. yeah, is normal territorial waters. But the English Channel, at its narrowest, is only 21 miles across. So if the French wouldn't mind sticking to their bit, we'll stick to our bit. But you see, what's what's really poignant about this news piece is today is Trafalgar Day, uh, 21st of October. 1805, a slightly smaller British fleet met a combined, much larger Spanish and French fleet and gave them the kicking that they deserved. So this is not the first time that the United Kingdom has, has ruined a European Union, because if we'd have let Napoleon have his way, you know, we'd be speaking French, so would you, just in the same that you get these despot dictators every few generations who want to take over europe so yeah i digress but anyway it's Trafalgar day today and the odds of two fish two british fishing boats versus 15 french ones sounds about fair to me but of course we've got our hands tied we can't do a damn thing without winding up um being prosecuted and uh, yet the French government... W- Don't prosecute their own. They will do nothing, okay. you know, absolutely nothing to the uh, the French fishermen who are um, basically that these uh, acts of violence on the high seas carry some of the m- most major penalties, including the death penalty, piracy and those sorts of things. But the French government won't do anything because it supports its fishermen. Our government... Doesn't really care uh, as so the long thing
1: as they. Is, probably, the problem you've got here is the people. Like you're going to get them. They're going to be firing off at each other. The politicians are using this as a way to get more leverage on what trade they want eventually. So they don't care whether it upsets whoever it upsets, and it'll upset so many livelihoods. Once again, the politicians don't do fishing boats, but the normal bloke on the sea. That's their livelihood. They'll be bringing it in from weather. And that line will shift one way or another until the politicians are happy that they've got whatever trade deal they want. And then in the interim, you're going to have those fishermen from each country going back and forth and getting upset and causing noise. So basically, at the end of the day, the people just need to get their act together and just fish until somebody comes up with a final answer.
2: And what our government should do is... uh... Uh, instruct our Fisheries Protection Squadron to, you know, respond accordingly, to go and actually protect our fishermen. This should not be happening. We really should be putting shots across the bows. And if it's happening inside British waters, inside our 10 and a half miles of the channel, then they should be making arrests. So... It's just wrong. This should not happen. The French got away with it time and time and time again. We had British land being burnt at the ports when it was trying to be exported into Europe. And this was while we were still members, way before any idea of a of a referendum on, on leaving and Brexit. The French, when they don't like what's happening to them, when they don't agree with the common agricultural policy and the, and the fisheries uh, side of things they kick off they're extremely volatile i'd actually salute them to a certain extent because at least they're protesting for their livelihoods but there was no action from the governments the french can do what they like the moment the british do anything the whole organization falls down upon us and this is why we wanted to leave in the first place because it's always been a club that loves our money but doesn't like us
0: now, I, I'm just curious. Do, do you do you all have something equivalent to what the say the Americans would have? Like, a, do you guys have like a Coast Guard or something that would keep an eye on your, uh, your your fishing boats and things like that? Like like we do? No,
2: no. We've got the Royal Navy. The Coast Guard basically is there for you know, saving people's lives at sea, holidaymakers, inexperienced yachtsmen. Um, they they do control, you know, our littoral areas uh, or monitor our littoral areas uh, for any safety problem. But at the end of the day, your Coast Guard is actually probably bigger than our Navy. I've worked with your Coast Guard and they've got cutters that are the size of frigates and they're big red and white things. They stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, that's because they've had to deal with Cuba. Yeah, and... um you know, when we're when we were out in that region, we'd work with the Coast Guard. We work with the Navy in and around the Caribbean, particularly on drug addiction. But here we've got the Fishery Protection Squadron, which has got at the moment, I think five or no, it's definitely got five. But it's it's. It may be as many as eight offshore patrol vessels, which are supposed to be controlling our, our our fishing areas and and our you know sovereign water.
0: Yeah, I half wish we had our guy from Jib in here as well because uh, I mean they they have issues with the Spanish down there with uh, fishing boats as well, do they not? Jib being would a, always a, being, have um, being in a UK territory Spain. All. Yeah,
1: but the Gibraltarians want to remain independent and away from Spain. That's quite simple, and that's their right. But at
2: the end of the day, this is a, when you when you've got such close proximity, Gibraltar is a tiny little bit sticking out at the bottom of Spain. Everywhere else around it is Spain. So you know, I'm, I I can sort of uh, appreciate the Spanish fisherman's take on it. But you know, Gibraltar isn't making its money out of fishing. It, it never has. It's made its money out of supporting the naval dockyard to begin with. And everyone in Gibraltar w- was linked somehow to the, um, to the to the Royal Navy and the, and the dockyard. They're, they're, you know, there's a saying: "No Navy, no gravy." Nowadays, Gibraltar is all about um, Russian gambling firms, online gambling um, casinos all run out of um, servers inside Gibraltar. So, yeah, let the Spanish fish in the waters. Gibraltar is contested, and while some people might say, you know, Britain should hand it over the people of gibraltar do not want to be handed over to spain and at the same time spain has got similar sized territories in north africa and the, the whole point about it is that the control of the the straits of gibraltar because if you can shut uh, transports in and out of the med you've got power so that that you know that's that's what that's all about but the channel you know just stick to your side everyone's got gps on their boats now they know if they've crossed over into British waters. Stay the hell out, please, if you don't mind. And um, we
3: should stay out of your waters. Yeah, and you're talking about the uh, the previous uh, scallop wars that happened in 2018. Some of the stuff that the the French fishing vessels were doing, we're, we're talking the, the larger, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a guess. I'm not good with... Uh, ships and sizes and whatnot, but judging by the images and whatnot, it's about a 60 foot fishing vessel. I think it's a, it's a fairly large one coming up against a, a smaller ship that looks like maybe, maybe 20 feet mm-hmm. and it tries to smash into it and wedge it in between two of the larger ships and crush it. Like the, you could, the stuff that's going on there in, in that past one is that's really dangerous stuff, you know, smashing into them like that. And at sea, I mean, yeah. I don't know. This all happens and ships have
2: got things like uh, a black box. You know, nowadays, it's all part of um, GMDSS, the Global Maritime Distress Signal System. And they've, they've got voyage recorders, which not only records every wheel order and GPS position of the ship as it sails, it also records voice orders given on the bridge. So... All of these things should add up to prosecutions for those kinds of attacks at sea, but of course they didn't, and this just shows the disparity between mainland Europe and the United Kingdom. One more reason why we want out, and you know, we're, we're not going to get justice. We're not going to get fair play because the governments of the, the, you know, of France of Spain simply do not want to prosecute their own people it's as simple as that and when our government finally grows a pair and orders some 20 millimeter 30 millimeter rounds to be put through the fronts of these fishing boats that's when we'll we'll get some action it'll
1: just aggravate the situation
2: well i want an aggravated situation i want a full-blown bloody scrap this is rubbish we've been pushed around far too long by these by the french and, you know, like I say, the EU is a club that loves our money but hates us. So I think
1: it's time to get a bit of payback. The trouble with the EU is it's decadent. It's on its way out. They see several large world powers that have grabbing everything and they are just shopkeepers and they shuffle things around. They've had their chance. They've had their little colonies everywhere and wherever. They've run out of space to dump the people they don't like. And at the end of the day... The one thing we've got to be wary of is one of the biggest things that if you want to destroy somebody, isolate them. So if we agree to isolation, we've got to get better than them. And I mean better.
2: We've had this discussion. Uh, We're already better than them. And we ha- we're, we're not as isolated. You know, we, we've st- spoken with Johnny and Bruce. I know they're not negotiators for the US Trade Department. However, we well, know that shame. there are...
0: Di- it's, a it's a shame. Things would, be a lot,
2: well, right. things
0: would be a lot different, yeah, I can assure yeah. you. Yeah. We, yeah, well, we you never get the right
1: people in the right position, will you,
2: in government? Yeah, no. But we, we know we've got deals on the table with, with America. We've got uh, the right to trade with the Commonwealth. And I maintain that... If the products that we currently export to Europe are good enough, they are still going to want them afterwards. So yes, we can expect tariffs on some products from Europe. Well, the answer there is just don't buy them. We can feed ourselves. We can make our own cheeses. We can grow our own, you know, meat, cattle, poultry. We don't need to import from Europe. However, cars, we're buying German cars hand over fist. French cars as well. So they're going to put tariffs on things that we're exporting to to Europe. So we will have to put tariffs on the things that they're selling us. Instead of driving around in our Volkswagen, Audi, Porsche, um, Mercedes, or Peugeot, Renault, we're going to be riding around in in, um, Dodges and Chevys and
1: things like that. You would have liked this, Martin. I was behind a, a car parts van the other day. I think it, the company was Jmar, and uh-huh. it said, "and it said we supply all the parts you can trust—American, Korean, British, and Japanese cars." It didn't mention the Germans. Well, that's refreshing
2: because <laughs> I've always been stuck behind the van that says, you know, Euro parts. So it's the it's Volkswagen, it's Volvo. <laughs> it did
1: make me laugh. I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah somebody
2: yeah. appreciate that. But um, <laughs> as for trusting anything Korean. I'm not so sure. um, South Korean, South Korean. Yeah, it's
1: it's South Korean. That's
2: what I don't. I don't think
0: the North. I don't think the North is big on manufacturing cars i i'm, I'm just well, just gonna throw that must one out there their own or
2: are they all driving Trabants that they borrowed off the russians the the, the um <laughs> the
0: trabant yeah the east german, didn't
1: general yeah. motors get their foot into korea at one time the,
0: the south korean yeah south korean market. Yeah, yes they did, they, they, they? they're yeah. over there i can't remember what they make they, they make something over there i can't remember what it is same thing with here they they had a deal with uh um, with a company here a german company called Opel. Uh, and then, of course, they've got a deal with. They had a deal with Voxel down in um, Opel. Is Voxel are the same? Yeah, uh, yeah. They had a deal well, with them somewhere along the line. Uh, somewhere yeah, along were. the line, I'm not yeah, sure.
2: They're actually diff- Yeah, they're, 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 all yeah, they're were. different
0: companies, but they'll they'll do they'll do deals like that. Like Fiat and Chrysler in America have a deal right now. Yeah, and and they'll make cars or something, and then you know they'll they'll move on. Do you know what Fiat stands for? Is it the fascist industry automobile transport? No, their know.
2: cars
1: are that good. It stands for fix it again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but actually, you could fix those cars. Um, that I I have experience of a Fiat Eight Fifty from the uh, from the nineteen seventies. I wasn't fixing it, but I was watching somebody else. You could fix everything on it yourself. Whereas nowadays, you don't stand a chance on a modern car unless you've got the right software to analyze the engine management system to tell you what's wrong with the car. So, um,
0: And even then, you have to take it to an authorized dealer. Everything's designed to sell. It's not designed to fix. Yeah.
2: So getting back to the the point, fisheries, Um, I want to see some positive action from our government to support our fishermen. And if it comes to a you know, firing a few shots, that's what our Royal Navy should be doing to protect our fishermen. What we don't want to see is our fishermen go back tit for tat, you know, taking fifteen boats out and surrounding a French ship. That's just not on. Let the big boys do it. Let let the battleship grey clad messengers of death take care of the problem. Like I say, it's Trafalgar Day. It would be most fitting if if a small flotilla launched from the south coast this evening and went and occupied the Channel, playing Heart of Oak. That would be great. That would, just, of course, scare off the French very easy. Because there's a verse in it. Where it says, um, "We near see our foe, though we wish they would stay, and they near see us." Though they wish us away, and if they run, then we'll follow, and we'll run them ashore. For if they won't fight, then we can do no more. So that's what I want to see. I want to see the Battle of Trafalgar re tomorrow afternoon in the Channel, and not a single French
0: fishing boat remains afloat. And something tells me that the uh, the French boats will have white flags on hand on each boat, ready to, ready to run up.
2: It's the French battle flag. It's a white cross and a white background, and. Um, <laughs> They've, they've got the, the one of the things they worked out is the, the fast acting halyard so that they could get the surrender flag up as fast as possible.
0: All right, let's uh let's, <laughs> that's good. Let's uh let's get into some uh some covid stuff because this is this is what people in the US are seeing. They're seeing that things are Getting out of control in the UK. Boris has come out with his new three-step or whatever it is, and you know what? Let's just start there with his uh, with his three-step thing, because you've got some people. Since he's announced that, you've got some regions over there that are announcing that they're not going to go along with that. They want to do their own thing. So as he announced his new strategy, regional leaders chose their own paths, and the mayors of cities are facing uh, tougher tougher decisions on what they're doing. They're saying some cities are saying that Johnson hasn't gone far enough. And others are saying that he's uh, that he's gone too far. So, Liverpool. We talked about what's going on in Liverpool. We kind of mentioned it uh, a little bit. You've, I mean, I'm seeing stuff on the news about what's happening in Liverpool. With the pub closures at 10 p.m., people go out into the streets. They surround the police, uh, you know, the the, uh, the city officials and the council there are calling for uh, the military to be brought in to help reduce all this, this uh, ruckus in the streets and things like that. But some of them... Some of the areas, such as, for example, uh, Northern Ireland, said that it would close schools, pubs and restaurants. And Wales announced that it would not allow people from hotspots in other parts of the UK. So Mm -hmm. you you can't even. So, for example, if I let's say I go to, I don't know, I don't know, uh, Portsmouth or London or uh, Newcastle and say those are hotspots. I now can't go to Wales. Is is that is that how they're doing this?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly um, how how they're doing it. And with Track and trace. If, you, if you're going to a B and B, an Airbnb, or a hotel, you have to tell them where you where you've come from and when you make the booking. And if you're coming from one of the hotspots, you will be denied that booking. Simple as that. Uh, a mutual friend of ours loves Cornwall, but because he was from or lives in Leicester, when Leicester was locked down again, he had to cancel his holiday in the summer because the uh, the place they were going to go and stay in Cornwall said, I'm terribly sorry, you cannot come. So, right.
1: yeah. Have you got the COVID-19 app? No. NHS one? No. Right. They've issued an NHS app, COVID-19 app, yeah? You know, like you go into these places and they usually give you and you show your phone onto this nice little yeah, yeah. square we just, we and then just, you have to, then you usually put your name down and me people you're with. Yeah. Not this one. This is independent. Uh-huh. What it does is... You say it to that, you put your um, postcode from where you are, and every time it just automatically, you show it, automatically sees where you are. And then every now and then it comes up with a scary text saying there are people in your area that have been on, in shutdown and whatever, and it's used to amass and literally keep an eye on where everybody that's got that app has been and everything else. Yeah, yeah it is I, quite I, it is it is a it's quite an interesting complicated app to actually get out so quickly really and it's well, much better
0: than the rest of them it's or well, they it's, didn't uh, have it. it they didn't have it yeah. they they didn't have it just um you know, developed, they've had it ready to go. Uh, yeah, been waiting well, yeah to exactly. Deploy
1: it. it takes a long time to get yeah. software because basically it actually says all the little scary things and it tells you um, if someone, if people, if X amount of people are moving into your area or are on shutdown, everything, you could actually, it's quite um, an in-depth app. Yeah. And I, that's why I haven't got it because it's an
2: invasive, unnecessary piece of trash, and, um, yeah, the uh, is most and, businesses you know are getting it. I'll probably get a knock on the door if they knew who I was. So, um, the, the what's it called? The Q scan, Q codes. Yeah, it QR, is code, QR, code. Code. QR codes. QR codes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I used to have a QR scanner on my phone. I've stopped using it. I've deleted that app anyway, way before COVID. But now in these places, I just go and pretend to scan a QR code and then walk on. This is, you know, Yes, the virus is real. Yes, it can kill you if you've got pre-existing conditions or are just old and vulnerable. But for most of us, um, it's not going to. It's not even going to make a, a. It's Just going to make you it feel like, it's
1: going to feel uncomfortable. Yeah, this time of year, the flu will put you more, give you
0: more problems than that.
2: So, yep. Johnny taught me a new phrase uh, a couple of weeks ago: "Progressive Proclamation." Is that the phrase? <laughs>
0: Successive approximation.
2: Successive <laughs> approximation. I think my description is, is, is actually actually more accurate because
1: they call it, that a
2: bastardization of a word. No, you you proclaim something as a government and you say we've got to do this because of this, and then that bit never goes away, and then they'll progress it onto the next bit and to my mind, my two words describe what what happens better than your two words. No offence. It, it is what. Thank you. It is what's happening. So the people up in Liverpool who are being blamed for you know the the outbreaks and all the rest of it. I just think they've ramped up the the rate of testing up there, and they've sent the dodgy batch of tests, the ones that give you one-third false positives. And we, what we have to remember, people, is Liverpool is a Labour heartland. It's got a Labour mayor. It's got left-wing councils. It is going to do whatever it can to make the Tories look bad. So the reaction from the mayor is, um, you know, a To be applauded on one hand, because he's actually talking sense, on the other hand, you have to look at why he's doing it so loudly, so vocally. It's because it's making Boris and all the the Tory blue boys look bad because they're failing to, uh, as far as the media is concerned and as far as reporting is concerned, to control the virus nationwide. On the other hand, you've got what's going on up in Scotland. They're not overly impressed with it, but Nicola Sturgeon is doing everything she can to align herself with the EU partners that she hopes to regain. But but she's Um, calling
0: for Scottish independence. You can't have your cake and eat it too. But that, no, she's gone for Scottish That's independence,
2: she but she wants to remain in the EU because yes. she knows that Scotland won't survive without the money that is generated within England. There is a special, I can't remember what it's called now, but basically... The percentage will drop. The the tax money generated by the whole of the UK isn't spent evenly between England, Scotland, uh, Northern Ireland and Wales. Scotland gets a higher proportion of that tax money per capita and the, yep. and, and it's just to keep them quiet basically just to, yeah, it's 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 a ridiculous set of circumstances Scotland would fall on its ass if they became independent they export whiskey, but that's a luxury market and and really they don't export a, a great deal else so it, it just doesn't work. The the maths don't work, Nicola. Just get used to it. And you do look like Jimmy
1: Cranky. What's that? <laughs> What's a Jimmy Cranky? Yes. You've never heard of Jimmy Cranky. <laughs> it's a very short person.
2: It's it's actually her name's Jeanette Cranky, actually, but she's a short yeah. Scottish comedian who works with her husband. She dresses up as a small schoolboy. It's all rather sick, but it used to be on kids' T V. But there you go. Yeah, you
1: know the wiser. And you wish he never
0: asked. (laughs) (laughs) Let's uh, let's jump over to South Yorkshire. They've created a covid-19 squad to crack down on people breaking the lockdown rules. Special patrols will walk alongside other public agencies in an attempt to stop the reckless from spreading the virus. A covid crackdown police squad has been formed in South Yorkshire. Because reports of regulation breaches are spiraling as quick as the virus is spreading. The new COVID-19 response team will walk along or excuse me, will work alongside regular officers, meaning day to day policing will not be affected by the new demands. They'll also work in partnership with councils and health services in Sheffield, Doncaster, Barnsley and Rotherham. If I mispronounced any of those, I apologize to work out the best way to deal with each complaint. About this before, didn't we?
2: You, you, first of all, congratulations on your pronunciation. The, the only you. one that was slightly dubious was Rotherham, not Rotherham, I, that, excuse Rotherham. me. Rotherham. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's to be expected. Look, we don't want to make this um, a, a religious thing, uh, a racial thing. But all of those towns that you've just mentioned have got large Muslim populations. And I don't know where my nearest mosque is where I am. But in those cities you just mentioned, there are many mosques, and because people who follow Islam tend to, you know, go to mosque on a Friday, whereas let's face it, the majority of the Christian world doesn't actually know what the inside of a church looks like. So I'm not criticising them, they're following their faith, but of course by following their faith and having uh, Friday gatherings for prayer, they are probably breaking COVID restrictions. So. Rather than having the police go in and become the bad guy, because everyone should be able to turn to your police force for help and assistance, they are putting in place these COVID monitors who will go and politely ask that you break up your illegal gathering that you've been doing you know, all your life that wasn't illegal six months ago, but is now, so that The police aren't coming into direct conflict. That's my take on it. That's what I think is happening.
1: What do you think, Ned? Well, I'm getting confused here because I'm hearing voices all both sides of the fence here. Do we actually stand on the platform where we agree that COVID should be let loose so we can get rid of it and live with it? Or are we going to live in this Petri dish ideal or not? I mean, personally, I see it as a rather... Clever way of what we talked about before, that they're getting people to dob on each other. Now they're making it official that they've got people. And once The problem with that sort of thing is, once you get another little group of people, another little force that goes around doing specific things, instead of the police, a little specialized unit, then they'll always create another little specialized unit for another sort of incident. And it, and it starts a horrible routine. And this is a way of instigating that sort of thing, beginning something small into something that could get rather ugly later on. Personally, I think it's a waste of taxpayers' money. I mean, you pay a person 20 grand a year to Dobby's mating or whatever down the street, and you've got 20 of them. Why don't they just use that money to medically help people or whatever? I think instead, what, of, instead of just winding them up.
2: I think what it is, uh, to, to, to address your first point there about are we of a mind that COVID isn't the danger that we are being told it is, and should we let it run free. The problem is a lot of the stakeholders and decision makers are not privy to the full memo. They haven't been given the full brief uh, about what is really going on. And we're, to be fair, guessing at it, but, you know, well, with Occam's razor, the most obvious answer is usually the right one, or the, you know, the the easiest route to take is is usually the correct one. And yeah, with our with our research and with our what's the word critical thinking on the whole matter, we have already decided. I'm talking about us collectively, us podcasting that we are being lied to it is a project of fear and it is being used to uh, as as a means to make a power grab and bring about societal change but some of these mayors some of these people who are making these decisions to hire you know professional grasses for want of a better word they're not privy to the full message so they're doing it because they think it's what they should be doing and some of them are privy to the full message
1: and they are part of the whole problem so well, you see, we got a problem here, yeah. It's it's once again, it's about not being lied to, it's about not being told. It's about misinformation, it's not the lies, it's it's the lack of information. I mean, any if you look in your papers and that, they don't do any there's no dissenters on the lines, are there? I mean you take um Cheryl Jacobs, the telegraph, yeah? She actually voiced that it said there's there's no prevailing, you know, voice of dissent about in the papers why isn't there anything in opposition to this at all because that's what makes papers, it so false the papers are owned by big media moguls yeah we know who- why yeah but the thing is she's questioning it she's putting the question out there but she's putting well, it to the public
2: yeah but they had to let her do it they had to let let somebody at least ask the question in the papers so that once
1: no answer came it would be
2: thereafter
1: ignored Yeah, but i'm not asking you for an answer That's a rhetorical one because basically at the end of the day, this is for the people that are listening because basically there's not enough voice of dissent or even the question why. But I honestly believe, and I don't, well,
2: this is going to be insulting to a lot of people, but you're used to that from me by, by now anyway. Even if everyone had all the facts put in front of them, the majority of us wouldn't have a clue what we were looking at or understand what those facts were. I mean. Bruce, what do you reckon, American-wise, if all the facts were laid in front of your average Joe on the street, would he know what he was looking at, and would he be able to come
3: to any conclusion? Whether or not they can or can't, that's kind of the way our government is supposed to work. So idealistically, if all the information was out there and we're talking about a populace that is has a general education, then yeah, they would be able to figure it out on their own.
2: <laughs> yeah, and in actual fact, I know for a fact that our education system has been dumbed down over the last 20,
1: 15 or 20 years.
2: Since 40 years. 40 years,
1: yeah. 40 years. So, Do you know what the big giveaway was? Go for it. Towards the end of the 70s, you always had books at school, yeah? You had algebra and everything for maths and that. And then they had a set of books coming in the year after I was leaving, and it was called SMP Maths. Yeah. And they started to make things flowery. Why would you want to know that Fred the Fly jumped off a baked bean tin and the triangle was formed by the tin, the floor, and where he landed, when really all you really need to know is what your hypotenuse and your sides of the triangle are so you can work your cosine, sine, and tangent out? But they started to get flowery and come in
2: Well, You see... Yeah, I think you used a poor example there. I didn't do SNP, but I know somebody who did, and it it is maths for dullards, and it <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it was it was was dumbed down. But the fact that the sum of the square of hypotenuse is equal to the sum of the square of the other two sides. When was the last time someone at a cash register had to use that kind of mathematics? Yeah, but this is, they no, didn't need no. to. But what they
0: needed they, to do, they don't know how to give sorry, the right go. change back if there's a if if, yeah, the, but, if the machine malfunctions. Functions. I actually have, yeah, I've, I've caught myself answer. countless you times. Ar- Mark, you people. got your
1: answer there. You're saying yeah. from 1980, they started to dump down the public. Yeah. So you only needed people that didn't need to understand.
2: That's because so many people were not actually uh, getting any kind of qualification at all in maths and English. So many people were leaving state education at the age of 16 with no qualifications at all. And I work in the world of, of training and I understand that sometimes you need to provide a blended method to deliver a a part of a curriculum. That's what the SNP books were all about, but on the surface of it, that's what they were uh, all about, but what it actually achieved was a dumbing down because people were no longer doing the O level syllabus. What they were doing
1: when it becomes yeah. an avalanche within 20 years.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, so That's really bad. So, because education has been dumbed down as a populace, we're less able to understand and see the truth, even when it's put right in front of us. Now, Johnny was holding up a bit of paper for us all to look at earlier on. Obviously, listener, you can't see this, but. Tell him what it was, Johnny.
0: This is the guide that we talked about yes, in yesterday's re-air. This is the uh, emerging pathways towards a post-COVID-19 reset and recovery. We re-aired that yesterday because it's so important right now. And we actually caught an Australian senator on Sky News Australia down there spilling the whole uh, – how, how did you put it, Ned? Tin of beans. Yeah, sp- spilling the whole thing about this entire agenda. And so we thought, why don't we just because, you know, I'm, I, I was kind of feeling under the weather anyway. Why don't we just re-air it? Because it's so prevalent right now with everything that we're seeing. This is precisely everything that's in this guide this, that we went over yesterday. Please, if you're the listener, go back and you haven't heard yesterday's podcast, go back and listen to it. We lay out everything in this guide that I'm sitting here holding up that you cannot see. And it is the exact thing that um, that this, this whole agenda seems to be circled around. And to your point about education being dumbed down, to, and you're not going to believe this. Well, maybe you will. As of yesterday a San Diego school district announced that it will eliminate grading standards in order to combat racism. So everything now has to be about social justice and your feelings, and you're going to become indoctrinated into political ideas rather than things that will prepare you for life.
1: Oh, I tell you, uh, no, we've, um, I mean, at the moment, there's, there's a lot going on in the education system. There's different ways of looking at it and everything. And I actually had a look at a educational training plan from one of their deputy heads the other day and it looked more like a behavioral thing than an educational plan and that seems like where most of them are heading and basically at the end of the day no the biggest thing that works for anybody is if your kids are in the right place or your adults are in the right frame of mind, if they look at somebody and they see somebody that's passionate about what they're talking about and it's coming across and it makes them interested where they weren't, they will follow it and they will look into it. Not basically told that you've got to do this or behave like this or whatever and there's sanctions for this and sanctions for that and detention for this and detention for that and it's getting very, very scrappy and silly, but, whereas uh, the kids just don't. It wasn't like that and no, it shouldn't be like I know that. it's not like that but
2: because as you rightly pointed out and corrected me that this degradation of education in the UK at least has been going on for about 40 years Yes, yeah, long time you've now got grandparents uh who didn't benefit from a good education and subsequently haven't learned those behaviors that promotes learning within an individual and you've got parents that didn't um, have those qualities or learn those behaviours. And now you've got kids that haven't got those behaviours. So, so who, who whilst, won that battle then? Well, I'll tell you who won the battle. Uh, the, the person who won the battle is, is the person that decided that we didn't want um, or didn't need they to spend needed that much money.
1: They needed another structure in society that can't step up.
2: Yeah, they, they, because they, they have started, the ability
1: now to do it. It was the start of this
2: thrall race of zero assets because they couldn't get a decent job uh, because the houses were going to be priced out of their range anyway. So it didn't really matter. And they didn't want to go shoveling more and more money into education so that everyone could achieve good results because there are only so many jobs for degrees but now what they've done, as you know, uh, and as we've discussed, is reduce the value of a degree to the point where nearly everyone gets one. The so um, second one, yeah. So that you need a second one. And, um, you know, it's such a litany of mismanagement of funds, of the whole idea of education, but... You were talking about that, what did you call it, An edu- a learning plan. Mm-hmm. Educational that's where, learning plan. Educational learning plan. But that's where teachers have to start these days because the classroom isn't 26 kids who, who want to listen and learn. It's about five or six kids who want to listen and learn and 21 problem cases. And that's why teachers nowadays in the British education system and the state-run education system have such a hard time because- So many grandparents and parents have failed their offspring in encouraging them to have those desires to learn. And the poor kids who have got a desire to learn, I'm afraid they're in the minority. So therefore, they're... Needs and requirements become secondary, which of course they shouldn't do. They should be primary. This is this is what we need to do.
1: Yeah, well, this is it. I mean, but you will always get the well. That's only one child. We've got a lot more to look after, and that's where they fail the child because basically, yeah, at the end of the day, they do fail it. I mean, it was quite interesting because a child got a detention for not bringing its book into school, forgetting it. But then I went, why give it a detention? Why don't you actually? say, here's a bit of paper, do the work. Now take that home and you're going to have to rewrite that into your book at home and then give it to me in the next lesson. Otherwise you will get a detention. So then that child then writes that same thing out twice and its brain will then pick up on it because it's done the same thing twice. It will actually learn something before it goes back to school. And I'm not a teacher in that respect, but why can't they do something simple like that and actually go? Right. You got
3: detention. Why go straight to punishment when... Exactly. You know, yeah. When you could actually use it as a learning method. Yeah. That that was one of... So a couple things here. Um, first, uh, the, the bit you were talking about how they've been dumbing down education. That's part of the plan. I know it's conspiratorial oh, yeah. and whatnot. You, so I'm of the opinion that um, human beings, generally speaking, have the capacity to continue learning. So you can expand your IQ, you can expand your intellect. Uh, it, it's like a muscle, right? Your your knowledge oh, yeah, it is needs like to a far off, yeah and, yeah, and create those pathways, yeah, <laughs> right. So I'm of the opinion that uh, some people are going to be more akin to it. You know, they're going to take to it better than others, but generally speaking, everybody's gonna be able to learn something new or expand their knowledge. Uh, That said, uh, they're teaching kids now what to think and not how to think. So it's not encouraging them to grow and expand and learn. And on top of that, teaching methods are just horrible. As we described here, it's a punishment for not doing, okay, so I'll give you an example. I was terrible in school for homework. I, I did not do my homework. However, when it came to quizzes and tests, I excelled at them. I knew the material. I didn't do the homework. So I regularly got punished for not doing the homework, but there was no, honestly, there was no incentive for me to do the homework. It, it was just straight to punishment.
1: No, I get, it, you, it I, I get where you're coming from. You see the different, the, the thing is, I mean, you get accused of different things, when, especially when you've got people that look at individuals in different ways. I and mean, the other day I got accused of, they went, you're, sli- you're on the spectrum, aren't you? I goes, now, why would you say that? He goes, well, when we're having conversations, you take a direct route and you've got the answer 10 minutes before various other people have gone around the houses and some of them don't even get it. And you're sitting there giving it, we're getting bored while they take the other nine and a half minutes to get there. Yes, but that is not a bad trait. That is something where you actually do, but others will look at you and they won't see that. And I went, oh, Okay. I didn't realize I was transmitting like that. But kids can do that. It's like you get people, I mean, even in the services, they are totally crap at written tests. But give them something practical and mechanical, they will excel and they will see a problem. And I mean, what's the best thing to do? It's to clear your mind. Right, I'm off for a cup of tea, a coffee or a beer. And you're trying to set a gyro up or ballistics up or something like that, you know, and you're giving it bugger. And off you go it could have taken 10 minutes your brain's still doing its work and it needs that and it's firing off and you come back and you or somebody else will go i know what it is so yeah. i mean we bog our own self <laughs> down and that's what the education system's doing it's bogging in the kids down with unnecessary it's just clogging the system that. up in let in if they enable them to have a bit more breathing space and to think they will excel.
2: But they've got a limited time in which
1: to deliver the curriculum that the government has decreed. My, who's clogging the system up? The system isn't being clogged up, but it's the powers that be are deliberately clogging up because I had an education, my parents had an education and they had a very good education and we had to learn more subjects than what they learn now. So how come they haven't got enough time when they've got the same, we haven't got, well, because the of years. because
2: they've got a classroom of four or five uh, diligent, well-behaved children, and uh, about another twenty disruptive problem cases. That's what they've got. But who's created these? Uh, we've just described how they've been created. They've been created by the fact that we've had this breakdown happening over the last 40 years yeah so we've got it's a a deliberate case what i'm doing uh from my perspective is is looking at what teachers have to do and why they have to do what they're doing and there's no amount of you know everyone should be open to constructive criticism But in this particular case, some of the criticism that many people lay on teachers is totally unjust. They are forced to deliver a curriculum, the national curriculum, set subjects, and they've got all these behavioural problems that they have no longer got the tools to deal with. They can't shout at a kid. They can't use corporal punishment. I was given corporal punishment at school. By my math teachers, by my headmaster, by my year head. And you probably um, deserved it. And I <laughs> I, I I did in all but one case, but that's another story. And I did deserve it. And uh, it was a way of moving on. Right. I've I've had a whack across the backside with a with a wooden set square with a small poem written on it by my math teacher, which printed out on my black
0: trousers. He was I hated very clever. It once. I hated the ones that had the holes drilled in them, you know, where they could get the leverage. You know, I I really didn't care for
2: yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, it, yes, there it was no wind, lower wind resistance, wasn't there? So, but um, my metalwork teacher, this is what Mr. Uh, I won't mention his name. This is what he used to do. He would put your hair in a vise you know, a metal working vice. So you're bent over with your hair in a vice, then he would hit you across the backside with a piece of mild steel. So obviously you'd flinch and hit your head into the vice and you'd also be stung across the backside. But that man was a brilliant teacher. He really wanted everyone to do well within his subject. He wasn't, um, you know, a, a vile, cruel uh, sadist, although you'd think so with that kind of uncool and unusual punishment. But it was when you deserved it. Yeah, and again, I know where you're coming from, Bruce, with the homework thing. I have got an excellent memory at the moment until age hits me and it starts to go. But I've never had to revise for any test exam ever. I've learnt it in in the lesson, it's gone in, I've absorbed it, and I can regurgitate it in the exam. So again, for me, homework and written work all seemed a bit of a waste of time. But since I've moved into the world of training from the world of engineering and from the military world, I've come to recognize that people do need to sit down, learn, and write things down. Remember when I introduced you to Maslow's hierarchy of needs some time ago? Yes, There's another age-old device used by educationalists to determine Uh, how best to make a blended solution for for any given piece of learning. And that's called Dale's Cone of Experience. And so when you look at that at the top, when you've got at the top of the pyramid, um, it says, heard it, people remember 10%. Read it, they might remember 15%. Read it and written it down, as in copied it out by rote, you're getting up to about 30% retention. When they've practically applied what, what was been written and read, then you'll get into 40 to 50% all the way up to 100%. So it's a cone of how people learn and, and what their attention is. Nowadays, we're not so concerned with people remembering uh, facts and figures because all that information is at our fingertips. Remember the conversation we had about smartphones just a couple of days ago? But we used to have to remember things. And and Ned, in a military context, if you have to remember something off pat as learn it as a drill, it's because, as you know, you don't have time to look it up when you need to perform it. So, if you're doing a misfire drill on a close-range gun, you need to remember how to do that off pat. You have to yeah. learn it as a drill. Okay, that, that
1: comes under training like everything else. But yeah, yeah, but you there's move, certain- you, you, you've got muppets that work on their things, work them. Those that fix it. And those that have to remedy something, that also is becoming unknown. You're missing missing
2: my point. You're missing my point. In an an education context, some things you have to learn by rote. You have to memorize. Because later on, when you move on to doing the application of things, you'll need those things in your head. So that's why things have to be sometimes...
1: I mean, basically, you, you, you basically teach that in... The earliest times for kids with their times table. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because yeah, otherwise that, that it's just too time, because, isn't it? It's just yeah, too it's Because time. that actually starts to get them thinking, their pathways thinking quicker and quicker and quicker. And math mass is one of the because it has logic in it, and this is where you start to see the breakdown. That's why I mentioned maths earlier on, because math is logic and numbers. Your brain starts to work quick with numbers, and you start to use it as a memory thing instead of just paper and your brain will react and work better.
2: Yeah. I mean, what one of the things within mathematics that doesn't get taught anymore are estimation skills. So when you're doing mental arithmetic, learning how to estimate, um, you know, they well,
1: do they do it uh, enough? Yeah. They, they, I mean, uh, the, the thing is what they've done with mathematics is, um, like most things, yeah, they've brought a lot of English into it and given everything a descriptive title which probably had a different one a decade or so ago yeah so what you would see well nowadays you'd go to school and you'd go oh right i mean i just want to estimate that and i mean do you know what bid masses bod mass brackets
2: no, I know what bod mass is. I think it's
1: bid mass, isn't it? No, it's bod mass. Oh, no, I know. I had somebody <laughs> talking about it. Yeah, because one of the kids went, Oh, we've got to do bid mass. And I said, What, what, you yeah, oh, that's how we work out what we how we got to start. Yeah. No, Everything's it's, abbreviated. Yeah, because, that's right. Because, yeah, you've got to work out what's in the brackets first before you do what you do outside yeah, it. And outside then you've got, and they addition, subtraction. Yeah. Bod- yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, why? Well, because
2: if you approach it in the wrong way and you don't follow BODMAS... No, no,
1: no, I, get no, I agree result. that. <laughs> no, but why BIDMAS in the first place? It never used to be there. Now you come
0: to the core of everything. There's a there's an there's an an, I think I know where you're both going with this. There's an agenda shift. And it's not just in one country here where we're seeing this. There's been an agenda shift specifically in mathematics. And we have this agenda shift that we see in the United States, too. And a lot of people with children will know what I'm about to talk about. And that's Common Core. Now, to give you an idea of what Common Core is, it's changed the fundamental rules of math. Now, it's not necessarily changing the way that you find this or excuse me, it's not necessarily changing the solution, but it's changing the way that you find the solution. For example, I have an example here of how they um, you, you guys remember the word problems, how they would describe out, you know, the math problem in a sentence. And then you have to work it up based on the figures they give you. So, yeah, as an example, they say here Apple Hills, 568 feet high. Banana Hill is 293 feet high. Of course, the question is, is what's the difference, right? How, how many feet higher is Apple Hill than Banana Hill? OK, mm-hmm. so naturally you would take 568 and you would subtract 293 and you would find the difference correct that's normal so you know that you guys know the procedure you know you put it above and then you start the borrowing process and all that stuff and you work your way through the problem so what they've done here is they've actually changed the way that you find the solution they've changed it so much to where you don't just simply take 568 minus 293 anymore they don't accept that way any longer. They've overcomplicated it. They've seriously overcomplicated it. This is how they've done it now. You start with 568. You subtract hundredths in 293. So you end up with 568 minus 200. That's the first step. The second step, now you start with 368 because that's what you got out of 568 minus 200. You subtract 9 tenths in 293. Now there are not enough tens. So you subtract the six tens that are there. So you end up with 368 minus 60 equals 308. Then you subtract the tens that are left. So now you have nine tens minus six tens equal three tens. So now you have 308 minus 30 equals 278. Then you start with the final process of this. You start with 278, subtract three ones and 293 for whatever reason. You end up with 278. So you minus three equals 275. So in all, you have 200. Plus sixty plus thirty plus three equals two ninety three. That's been subtracted. So you end up then with the solution. So which is two seventy five. Run out of time for the exam because you just managed to answer one question. Exactly. Exactly. It's it. it see, they've they've made this so complex yeah. that the average person can't understand it anymore. When I showed this to someone who was a retired teacher and had no idea what this was, do you know what their response to me was? All they're doing with this is they're teaching people how to be stupid. Yeah.
1: I took the um math. Mass- paper of how they were teaching children um, up to year six before they went on secondary school to the uh, Cambridge University Math Centre and they laughed at it. They said, this is wrong. It shouldn't be taught this way. It will just confuse them because at the end of it, then they were starting to be taught the proper way.
2: I've had conversations with people who have tried to help their kids with their maths homework and they learn one way. People in my generation learn how to to do multiplication, division, subtraction, and addition in a certain way, when you try to teach the kids, they'll say, no, that's not how we're shown how to do it. So all of a sudden, you can't teach your kids maths yourself. Ah, yes. The only thing you Um, can do is teach them both ways, and it does work. But for some kids, that gets very confusing, especially when you've already got a confusing method being taught inside the school. If you then, well... Yeah, you you need the patience of a saint sometimes to do it. But yeah, I got it. So, I don't know if you've covered what you wanted to cover tonight. I don't Johnny. need it. <laughs> Just give
0: uh, to me be honest ourselves. with you, to be honest with you, I didn't. We didn't get to Southern Ireland, but uh that's all right. Well, an interesting the, the conversation. That, yeah, well, I mean, we were talking about mathematics, and then of course, Southern Ireland, and was something about three hats, and that's really that's really. Well, the I end was it, just I about to
2: say, you know, with the greatest respect, uh, the fact that Southern Ireland, which is so heavily subsidised by the EU, is shutting down their economy again for a few weeks to to do a circuit break you know, lockdown really isn't that important other than the fact that a lot of people who perhaps wanted to visit Ireland because it is a beautiful country, it's got some great heritage, it's got some really good Guinness, some fantastic pubs, which are now all going to be closed for a while. It's very
1: sad, and, and I'm sorry for those people who were going to go. Indeed. Well, I mean, even if we, even if we did stray away from what you wanted to say, I mean, basically all we really talked about was, like we normally talk about, the breakdown and the fracturing of your community and your society and how it's been done to us in all these little ways. Yeah. Well, I
2: did did mention earlier on the possibility that I am deficient in in producing serotonin.
0: So I need to go and cheer myself up now. So that's all for me, folks. Yeah. I'm going to shut up. Thanks. No, you're fine, Marty. I want to thank you guys for being here tonight. I uh, really appreciate that. Helping me save my voice. I, I appreciate that from the from the bottom of my heart. You have no idea how much that means to me. So uh, for those of you who have not and you'd like to, please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parlor. We love getting all of your likes and your echoes and your comments and your upvotes. You can follow me over there at J Anderson3, or you can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us and you don't want to do it on social media, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We're trying to grow our audience here as much as possible, and we need your help as a loyal listener in order to do that. And we're trying to promote good, healthy conversation in and amongst people's circles. Right now, as Ned so graciously put it, breakdown of our communities, we need to try and reforge that uh, that relationship with our with our families and our neighbors. So if you could pass this along, we would appreciate that as well. We are available everywhere you get your podcasts with the exception of SoundCloud. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you could drop over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience. We would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much, Bruce marty and ned thank you guys for your time tonight cheers Good guys night. thanks bruce no night mate. and from all of us here wherever you are in the world we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible we love you and we love freedom and independence and together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas so we'll see all of you tomorrow